Adventure of the World, where daytime animation reigns in the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-host Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman, the animated series as explored by the Literary Licensed Podcast. License podcast and it's Batman week. We'll be discussing four episodes of Batman, and this week will be the Feet of Clay, part one and part two, Vendetta and Fear of Victory. There we go. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> we had a All right, and before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Matthew Rose with us. Hello, Matthew. Welcome, yes, welcome, Mr. J's finally welcome, yes. <laughs> and we got Sean Stefan with us. Hello, Sean. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Joe Randazzle, hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. Vicky Ray. Hi, everybody. And I'm your host, Keith Shog. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Matthew. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Oh, yes, for the people that don't know, I've been trying to get here for like, for like, uh, how many t- are we on? Six. I finally made it on the scheduling. Yes, I'm away on holiday next week, funny enough, to America for two weeks. I'll be in Los Angeles and then ending up in Vegas before coming home. Oh, All right. I'm you actually going to be in Vegas next week myself. Yeah, so the week after. Oh, you're I'm in gonna the go. Week. Everybody's going to Vegas except us. Let's, let's get married by Elvis. Yeah, go to Vegas. Let's get married by Elvis. Disneyland Galaxy's Edge um, which is in Anaheim nice. which is where they run Star Wars Celebration now sometimes but this year it's in London yes what else are we up to so yes this is the first time I've seen Batman for quite some time the animated series it's not that I've been avoiding it like the plague it's just scheduling and I finally we've finally synced up the only one I will admit I haven't seen is the last one but I know exactly who that was when I looked at the picture online. This, to me, when we actually get on this, is a fantastic little trilogy of stories, but I'll, I'll let you go to the other floor because we'll start doing the thoughts in a bit. And Matthew comes from our Doctor Who podcast, which basically we've now been featured in a BBC um, publication. So Oh, it's, 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 oh, it's basically the right official here. fan group for Doctor Who called Dwas or the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. And they've been going, um, I think they started in the 1980s. So it's that old, like the Appreciation Society. Mm. 
Let's and I'll actually get to see their, found, their um, president next week at Gallifrey One, Colin Baker, who's the president of DWAS. Okay. Awesome. So if yeah. anyone's interested in reading that, they can find that on our website at www.llpodcast.com. Mm. And what about you, uh, Joe? What have you been up to since we spoke to you last? Well, actually, uh, j- just before um, just before we came on, uh, I was uh, texted by a producer who's asking me to, uh, to consult on a screenplay for him. So uh, that's that just happened in the last uh, like hour or so. That Outstanding. Was, uh, so that's pretty cool. We'll see Fingers where that crossed. Um. I've been working on a uh, a well. I've been writing a video at the, the what, what I'll basically be reading over a video essay uh, about the um, the movie Sherlock Holmes and the Pearl of Death, which is the first appearance of the Creeper, uh, played by Rondo Hatton. Um, I want to hopefully get that done early next week, so that I, uh, so that if we do get nominated for a Rondo Award again, we can I can put it out there at the same time that the uh, uh, that the nominations come out. I'm hoping to get the, uh, the timing correct on that. Um, besides that, uh, I've been, uh, watching a film. Noir. I, I've been doing two film noir challenges. One is a daily one. One is a weekly one. So I've been watching a lot of noir these last couple of, uh, these last couple of weeks. Um, uh, I've been watching a lot of Hitchcock, uh, and uh, now it looks like I'm going, I'm going to be busy consulting on something. So that'll be actually kind of fun. It's nice to actually have that kind of work again. Um, but that's really it. Uh, just watching a lot of movies, working and uh, hoping for the next gig to pop up. And it seems that it's finally happening again. Mm, good news. It's very good news. Stuff, John? Uh, not, not a whole heck lot. I've been uh, mainly kicking around, working on an idea for a new project of my own in my spare time and uh, preparing to go to Vegas next week on vacation. And I've been watching a couple of older movies that I hadn't seen in maybe about 20 years or so. Uh, I watched the movie Jade, which I hadn't seen since it came out. That is oh, I want to say I've seen that. That's a strange that? little movie. <laughs> um, Angelina Jolie. No, uh, uh, Linda Fiorentino. Oh, Lena Flair. Oh, I know it's funny to talk about. Yeah, it's William Friedkin movie. We went and saw a, a special screening of Sorcerer earlier this week uh, on uh, on the big screen, and it was I, I had never seen it before. That whole uh, scene on the bridge is just fantastic, and it just it's very very tense. Uh, it's it's but there um, we we and when we got back, I'm like you know let's keep the freaking mood going. So we watched. Uh, jade and yeah that one i i don't know if it was caruso i don't know if it was linda fiorentino there is a great car chase in it but there was something just off about it i don't know what it was but there was just something a little joe smiling yeah (laughs) joe you you, you have something you want to say i mean i i i like i like it it's not you know i i've seen worse friedkin movies like you know this was you know it's not as good as You know, it's not as good as the French Connection or The Exorcist no. or uh, or Sorcerer or um, or uh, Cruising or anything like that. But when you know you got movies on that level, you know, it's just director- weird. They're like, hey, we have Joe Esterhaus and he's going to write an erotic thriller for William Friedkin. I, 
I and noticed, it, and it felt like, I and noticed. it's produced by Bob Evans. So it's like Bob Evans wanted to get in on the erotic thriller game. <laughs> it, it's the, it's just so yeah. weird. I think, Sliver, I think Sliver was also produced by Bob Evans. It possibly, yeah. But but it, I, I, I watched this realizing that Joe Esterhouse, whenever you ask him to write an erotic thriller, he just writes the same one over and over yes. again. And all women are either prostitutes or it just one of those you just watch. But I mean, it's always it's always the same thing. It's always mommy issues. It's uh, always a really really rich guy getting yeah. murdered by a woman who is, you know, Don't a refute. sex worker or something. But it's always, but it it always opens with you know the tracking shot through the house. And you know the, the the you know the screaming rich guy who's getting murdered by a woman, and I'm like, it, it happened in Basic Instinct, it happens yeah. in uh, Sliver, yeah. and it happens in Jade. I'm like, Joe, framing Esther, is I'm, even the same. He in certain has aspects made of a it. career of writing the same fucking movie over and over again. Isn't that God the goal? Less than Ed I was going to say that's the goal. You want to get paid yeah. over and over. I mean, that's yeah. what happens. But that's what happens when you write documentaries. I mean, it just you know, <laughs> <laughs> you can't get too far away from them. Showgirls is the only one that actually uh, is a little bit different from everything else he's done that I've seen at least. I truly love that movie. I, I will kind of stood the granted. test of the decade so really, far. Cleaning uh, up my nothing. mom's house, finding the VIP collector's edition DVD set with the pin the pasties on the stripper poster oh, on it. Dude, yeah, when he found it, you know, I gotta say this right now. Yeah, he went back to his mom's house. He went through his old bedroom and he found the big box set and he pulls out the poster of uh, topless Elizabeth Berkeley. And I'm yes. sitting there on the couch. Topless, I took a picture of him. Full topless, full color poster of Elizabeth Berkeley that you can pin plastic pasties onto her onto her nipples with as a, as a so, party game. So as he's unwrapping oh, the poster and I'm, I'm seeing like, what it what is. What the fuck is this? As he's doing the tail on the donkey. <laughs> As so he's like, I never that. really opened the set, so I saw this. I'm like, yeah, what, what, what the hell? As he's doing that, I noticed what it was. I was like, oh, it's a topless. So I'm getting my camera ready. And as soon as he's got it open, I take a picture of it. And I was like, now I have blackmail. Hashtag cancel Sean. Yes, you blackmailed me by holding up a topless photo of it. Like, how can you objectify women like that, you sleaze? <laughs> Hashtag cancel Sean. Obje objectifying women again, both of you. <laughs> well, I mean, what else are they good for? I am not objectifying her any more than she did herself in that movie. That's all I am saying. By the way, by the way, her her time in Vegas is officially canon on Saved by the Bell now. I love it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In the in the newest uh, Saved by the Bell, there is a whole episode where they talk about her dark time in Vegas. And she <laughs> under an and, assumed name, and then she, under an assumed name, and then she comes back and starts hitting on this guy. When she finally gets her confidence, she puts on the cowboy hat, starts strutting, starts doing the dancing, and oh god, it's it, I'm just oh, thank god the worlds are merged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have Saved no interest in the Saved by the Bell series, but that episode, I was like, I have she to took see a Slater this. breakup very hard. That's what I look like to think. She took a breakup very hard after oh, the college boy. years. And had a, a wild couple of weeks in Vegas. I think everybody has some dark times in their life they would oh, like yeah. to remain in the past. I mean, not everybody has to share everything, you know? I mean, yeah, not I all mean, push a woman down. Unless, if, unless you tell Keith, show. then everybody's going to fucking them. know about it. So don't I tell Keith they, shit. I think they even referenced her shoving a woman down the stairs on yeah. the episode. You get crazy when you're mad. You shove that woman down the stairs. I think that was a, a line, yeah. 
The only other thing I'm I, I would I'm gonna bring up the only other thing I've saw I finally saw Possession, and oh you did uh, watch it? Oh, I right. did watch it. I finally the watched Sam Neill film. Sam Neill and yeah. Isabella Ajanti. There's two things I could take away. My ex girlfriend looks very much like Isabella Ajanti, and I'm glad <laughs> she did not have her personality. Thank God for that, because that is. And if you ever want to see a movie of two people just losing their goddamn minds and screaming at the top of their lungs for two straight hours. This is the movie for you. I thought Marriage Story was probably the best movie about a marriage falling apart. (laughs) Fuck that. This movie is one of the most fucked up movies I have seen in a very long time. And I'm happy it exists. Who is it making love? What? That's Brooke Shields, Tom Cruise, and... Making love? Some other guy with... What? Making no. love? Yeah, I think it's... Um... Oh, no. Making love is the one with Cape, um, Ham- Harry Hamlin and Cape okay. Jackson. And, um... okay. That was a fucked up movie. Yeah. This, I mean, this is, is just... I mean... I gotta watch it now. I keep skipping by it. Disintegrate. It's, it? it's a disintegrate. See it before movie. it's gone, because I don't know how no. long it's gonna be on shutter. This one, like, near dark. It's like, it's like a rare six-week to, okay. six to three-month window where you'll be able to have it, and then it'll just disappear. Sure, I'll, watch I'll watch it tonight. It's a... Yeah, I will say, it is a remastered Kino Lorber 4K uh, remastering. So I think that it, uh, it, we are going to get a physical release sometime. It looks like it was done recently. Sam There's Neill's only- in it? Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny. Vicky, we covered Possession in our podcast when we did European Horror. I can't remember everything we watched. I know I watched it. Why can't I remember this one? Because it, you're old. It's a trip. Fuck it off. is an absolute trip. <laughs> you're only two weeks younger than me, okay? Uh, Joe Bob's uh, Valentine's Day special is tonight. That might end up being one of the movies. I don't know. Well, I keep an... hoping if, if if that other one is the one that you thought it was. I'm really hoping that it is because I cannot wait for the commentary. <laughs> I got a feeling the second oh, for necrotic, uh, necromantic. Because uh, yeah, Joe, uh, Joe Bob said something about he's gonna he's gonna go off on a rant about necrophilia. So I'm like, oh, I'm wondering if necromantic. Because <laughs> we had a couple of guys that wouldn't do the podcast that day because they would not watch that movie or they couldn't get uh. through it. And I was just like, you pussy. It's <laughs> like, take one for the team and fucking watch it. Oh. <laughs> I know I missed. Oh, wait, was that when I had COVID? I missed that one. I think I don't that was when he had COVID. Yeah. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I, I missed. Too. I think I missed that week. I, I don't remember if you ended up seeing it. I kept on telling you, I'm like, oh, God, you're going to hate it. I still got to watch the second one where she takes off with her beloved, you know? <laughs> and they have a life together. <laughs> I just remember I, I something about a, a, a small right. steel pipe and some rope. That's all I, I remember. Know. It's just like, what the fuck? With the, I saw where they were going with the pipe. It's like, ah, oh, hell no. But well, yeah, I did. mean, if, if you're gonna have sex, if you're gonna have sex with a corpse, it's the only way to get it a hard on, literally. I guess. <laughs> I was okay. I think I lost my shit with the eyeball part starting, but that was it. I don't do eyeballs, man. That just like, made me lose it. I was like, oh my god! But I kept, I soldiered through. Yes, I did. I thought well, it was just- hysterical in retrospect. You know what movie bothers me? Tusk. I have such a hard time watching that. I, I watched it for the I first time all the way through a couple of years ago. It's not that bad. I've it's seen. It's not that movies. bad. It's just what he does to him. I guess it's like such a helpless feeling watching this guy. I, yeah. fucking I just couldn't yeah, I connect with that movie at all. I saw it in the theater, and I was just at like, the end. The end was just really. I guess you, you have to be that in- way. Kevin Smith's state of mind, you have to be in that 
it kind of helps to be high while watching it. Well, yeah, I'm always high, so that I should know, be a so it's Likewise, but <laughs> it's one of those things where you kind of, especially listening to the process of them making it. What was the other one? Tus- yeah. Oh, I was Centipede. I only got past the human Centipede one. I cannot get into, I won't watch two or three. I just I watched two. Myself. I won't bother with three. Two I will not is, watch. Is it two any good? Do I need to watch okay, it? The, the quick Someone version. Tell me I need to. Everyone thinks t- one is horrible. It's not that bad. It's more psychological. Two is essentially what everyone said they thought one was. Oh, it's so it's worse. It's a black and white film about a literal psychopath who watches the movie. As if it was really a movie. Oh, he works is in, that he what works, it's about? See, this he works in a parking garage and he goes out and he says, oh, okay. And he walks out and he sees somebody and he whacks him over the head with a tire iron and he drags him to a warehouse. He, m- repeat that process for about 45 to 50 minutes until he gets enough that he can make a dozen person centipede. Then that movie, the rest of the movie is him sewing those people together and the oh, God, man. can you imagine being having your mouth sewn to somebody's uh, asshole I mean, there's gotta be better ways to suffer i don't know i know plenty of people who are married to people's assholes <laughs> <laughs> can't see much difference no this is true yeah. you know and sean and i actually have a have an interesting story about human centipede three because uh-huh. uh Bobby. We were uh, we were with Robert Zadar when he was uh, when he got the phone call because they wanted him to come in and play the either the prison guard or the prison warden in part three. Initially, he it was the warden, and then they uh, yeah, he couldn't. Pa- unfortunately, he couldn't pass the physical. Yeah, his knees were too bad at that point. His knees were too bad, and they were going to have to uh-huh. sew him uh, sew him to somebody on his knees. And they were like, "Yeah, we, we they they wouldn't insure him because his knees are so fucked up." Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, then he ended up passing away before anything got done with that movie. So, yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to watch it to say I did. I just couldn't. I just can't <laughs> handle the that the feed. I, to be honest, that's I couldn't stuck ha- in my head. I couldn't handle the acting. I couldn't handle the acting. I just thought well, to myself, you know, at like, least the, well, the Nazi doctor in the first one was. I thought he was great. What? I, loved I mean, when, when the, the I, remember the, I remember the when the first one when you had yeah. the girls acting. Before they got, before they sewed them up, I thought to myself, I was like, God, hurry up and sew their mouth shut because this is, they're fucking horrible. All <laughs> I know is that that is the one time I want to be at the front of the bus. I don't care. <laughs> you want to be in front? I want to be in front. And the doc, the guy who played the doctor, I think his name was like Dieter Laser or something. He was, he was fascinating. He was like the perfect casted role for I'm gonna have, I'll watch it. It's just going to be uh, Yeah. That movie traumatized it, me a little bit. It's like, just that it's just that the victims are always people that you just want to see dead anyway. That's yeah, the problem. Exactly. They're, like they're, the they're, main guy, the the main antagonist is interesting, and he's he makes it worth watching. And the and the people you just like just die already because <laughs> you don't care about them. So, what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a lot. We're still recovering from the ice storm last week. We're still catching up on stuff we had to do last week. This week. But I did, um, what I've watched, I finally got to watch No One Gets Out Alive. It was on Netflix. Kind of a claustrophobic kind of a movie where this girl, she's really, I think she's an illegal alien and she gets it. She has to stay in this place. And this place turns out to be just one big shit show. And it's got this monster. I don't want to give it away in case a lot of people haven't seen it, but they got this monster that he feeds that comes out of a box and he has to keep giving it girls. It's a fucked up movie. It's, it's actually really good. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I liked it. It's kind of dubbed. I don't know which language it was supposedly in to begin with, but it was really good. It was well done. <clears throat> and I watched Beast on Peacock. The the lion was the man eater. I didn't think I was that was going to be. It was actually a pretty good film. I enjoyed that. 
and jungle it was that true story with what's his name why can't i remember his name every time harry potter what's his oh, name uh, daniel radcliffe daniel, daniel radcliffe. radcliffe he plays i guess it's the true story of these guys that uh that were in the jungle and it was just about how they actually survived well two of them survived they don't know what happened to the other two but it was really uh yeah it was it was kind of different i was trying not to watch so many you know killer movies <laughs> <laughs> with all the death and destruction and blood. I was trying to be nice to my family. And I've been keeping up on Maker Witches and uh, the the end of us, right? The Last of Us? The Last of Us. Last I keep thinking the end. I'm getting it mixed up with something else. I didn't watch last week's because I wanted to watch a couple of them all at once. Like well, The new one's tonight, and I think they're directed by the same person as last Yeah, week. but it look, that's getting good. really good. I'm really oh, yeah. pleasantly surprised that this took off as good as it did. It's just nice. And I, I like all the acting. I like the actors in it. Who yeah. can go wrong with Super Mario, you know? I mean, he's good <laughs> at anything he does. Yeah. He's going to be saving children till 2050 in every show he's in. It's Something great. like yes. that. I was trying to find Joe Bob's hints for tonight, but I could not find them. The only thing he said is he's uh, he's marrying somebody while talking about necrophilia. So he's, mar uh, he's there marrying was the, uh, somebody? Yeah, there was the auction during the Christmas one that you can get married by uh, by Joe Bob, and it sold for like thousands and thousands of dollars, and they flew the people out to Vegas and married them. No and kidding. Cheaper than yeah. planning an actual wedding, I guess. He might be doing Return of the Living Dead three. That has ne that has necrophilia in it. Yeah. Return of the Living Dead three was one of was one of the, that's on Shutter right now too. Return of the I Living wouldn't Dead mind 3. that one. I always like Return of the Living Dead three. That was yeah. Right. It's not saying what they're what they're gonna put on. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that that sounds like more. I mean, me might do necromantic, but if if, if it's yeah. necromantic, that would be the second. Well, if he put in Cannibal, if he if he put in the full unscathed version of Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. Then he'll probably leave this one as is, don't you think? Yeah, that's oh, what yeah, I he'll leave it as is. Uh, it, it's mm. it's just a uh, usually the the the, the darker toned movie, the really darker toned movie is usually the second one though. Yeah. So you're gonna, so I you know what I it, it could be Return of the Living Dead three, and then Possession, or Return of the Living Dead three and the Necromantic, or Possession and the Necromantic. Oh, we did Black Roses and Frankenhooker last year. That's right. I forgot about Fra I love Frankenhooker. A lot of people like that good. movie. I fucking mm. love it. <laughs> I saw Frank and Hooker at the, when it came out at the cinema. I'm I aging myself. I'm aging myself. <laughs> I yeah, met I, um, I met Frank Henenlotter like like three years ago. It well, it must have been three, four years ago by now because it was pre-pandemic. Um, I remember I met him at uh, an event Lloyd was doing in uh, New York. Really nice guy. Uh, just really, really strange. <laughs> kind of awkward. <laughs> which is exactly what you'd expect the guy who made Basket Case and... Uh, uh, one, Frank two, and, and three. Yeah, and Frankenhooker and, and uh, Brain well, it's Dead. Probably, it's that. probably really hard explaining the birds and the bees through film for, for small children of the 80s. <laughs> 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 Gotta get your sex education somewhere back then, right? <laughs> oh, man. He, yeah, the, the, he, hey, maybe we'll get Basket Case too. You never know. But what else would be a good Valentine's one? I mean, other than something mm. that seriously fucked up like Necromantic or we'll there's, there's a lot of them to pick from. There really is. We'll, fi we'll find out tonight. I know. I'll be waiting. <laughs> it's, why I kind of, it's why I kind of avoided watching Possession since it's been on Shutter because I'm like, it might end up being on Joe Bob. Yeah. So we'll see. 
Yeah, well, I haven't watched that one at all, so I'd like to see that one myself. Well, I've been watching the last Evil Dead film with Jane Levy, Levy, Levi. What's her name? Jane Le- Levy, L-E-V-Y. Levy, Levy. 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 Are you talking about the 2013 one? Yeah. We revisited it last year. We went, but we got the finally uh, got the unrated version on Blu-ray. Which one yeah. is it? The the remake Dead. Or, or the reboot or whatever of of Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. Evil Dead. Yeah. I did. What did you think? I love it. You do. Love I think it? it's really good. I do like it a lot. I mean, the, the performances are brilliant. The acting's really well done. Um, Alvarez. He's a fantastic director. I mean, he did don't, he did Don't Breathe one and two, didn't he? As well. Yeah. So I haven't seen either one of those yet. Don't I've only breathe. seen the first one. I didn't see the second one. The first one's fantastic. Second one's good as well. Don't breathe. Yeah. Okay. So, but I like it. I'm I'm because I'm kind of gearing up for the next installment, isn't it? Because the next Evil Dead film is coming soon. Yeah, it's coming yeah. in the next couple of months. In March. In March. In March. Uh, oh, next yeah, month. Next month. Okay. Perfect. Yep. All right. So I'm gearing up for that. Yeah, I guess I better watching. brush up on mine if it's coming out next month so I remember everything. Yeah. So, uh, well, you, I mean, the, you could get your hands on the the uncut version of the of the remake. The, it is so that, gory. I'll it's just say, uh, without spoiling what happens, the money shot at the end, where with there's just glorious, glorious violence to the point of like RoboCop. It was it was making me think. I'm like, oh, we need more movies like this. It was like yeah. Kill Bill times a hundred. Oh it my was, God, Kill beautiful. Bill. Those, you know, the one yeah. part of the Kill Bill that really fucked me up, like the eyeballs fucked me up with Dale Hannah. Yeah. The friggin' <laughs> eyeball part where she kills her last eyeball. It's just like, oh. I'd God. love to see, if they ever do a Kill Bill 3, I'd love to see Daryl Hannah as like the Zatuichi blind swordsman training the young, uh, the young, uh, I forget, uh, Nikita? Or, yeah. 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 Never gonna see well, they, they better hurry see. up. I don't know what his she's gonna, gonna, she's gonna be. be it's not gonna be soon. that. She's a lot older than we are, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, she'll be 70 soon, Daryl. She looks good still, though. It looks good. And, uh, David Carradine ain't hanging around anymore. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I love you, Keith. You're the only one that laughed at that. <laughs> Poor David Carradine. <laughs> He's the only man I know who could hang himself with an orange. <laughs> the humanity that just explodes through my screen once a week. And our, but, our, and our but I started watching. Um, week is Keith Carradine. <laughs> Keith Carradine, yeah. There you go. <laughs> the more straighter edge, brother. Yeah. Of course, we I do have the, the revenge. I get the last well, we also have, well, we have the Revenge of the Nerds Carradine as well, don't we? That's Robert, yeah. I think, right? That's Robert, yeah. yeah, yeah. Robert, yeah. So, um, and that's, um, I've started watching you, the fourth season of that, which that's a very good series, actually. I'll give I got the first two seasons yeah. down. It took me a while to get into it, but now it's so stupid, so ridiculous. You want to see what happens to these people. I mean, uh, the, thir- the third one looks one's like fantastic. he's got himself, looks like he's marrying himself, someone who likes to kill just as much as he does. Well, this is the, this is the fourth one, so this this one takes after that one. So the first part's on now. Started watching that, and that's quite quite enjoying that. And then been watching bits and bobs, really nothing too extraordinary. So, um, watch Scarface for next week. The nineteenth, I watched the the, un, the uncensored version and the censored version. So very good. There's a censored so, and uncensored version. 
Yes, if you buy the Blu-ray or DVD. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's it's really just a different ending. Um, so you can so if you have like the Blu-ray or DVD, you can watch the movie straight through. Then you can watch the alternate censored ending um, as a special feature. Mm. I love that movie. I love both of it's, them. So we'll we'll get a. Yeah. So I mean, I really I really enjoyed it, and it's good to see you know it's good to see a movie about Vicky and her family. So it's always quite good to see that put up on Sally Lloyd. So yeah. <laughs> Hey, I not only watched the 1931, I watched the 1951 by accident. So, yeah. oh, that, no, was that was I thought uh, that was M. We're talking about M. M. Okay, what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, do you have do you have, do you have pedophilia oh, in your family yeah. as well? Huh? <laughs> Nothing. Scarface. Well, you know what? Yeah. That that was like. Wow, I mean, I don't think they were really like liking on Italians a lot when they made that movie. I was feeling oh. kind of singled out with no equity. There was, uh, <laughs> there was no equity towards Italians in that. Movie. God, there was. I forget what I forget what movie it was, but I, you know how Warner Warner Brothers on all their old DVDs, uh, like where they show the old movies, they have the Warner Night at the movies that Leonard Maltin hosts, and they'll show you like a Looney Tunes and a Short Subject and yeah. a newsreel, and then they right. get to the movie. And I forget what the movie was, but one of them had something where, like, on on the uh, on the title screen, it said. Uh, uh, something about uh, uh, watching the Wops cook a uh, cook a traditional Italian dinner, and I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> really?" <laughs> like, thank you, Warner Brothers, just slapping us Italians just right across the face. What does like, Wops? Right what does Wops stand for anyway? Without Did... papers, I think. Yeah, without, without official for? papers. Oh, okay, because mm. I know Jap is like Jewish American princess. Yeah. So. So I mean, my, my, my I mean, I'm I'm familiar with all those terms. My father was a huge racist, and he called everyone by something. It's like no one was safe. <laughs> it was a different world. Our parents were a different generation. Than well, my father also called. I mean, my father is Native American, so he he did call white people crackers as well. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's like well, everyone was called something. Back then, they didn't care who they told. They just said what they thought you know i know my and every time every time my dad saw a woman with a baby because <laughs> look at that woman with her papoose <laughs> only in your uh, family Kate. well it's funny i've always found it funny so oh nothing so, about yeah you should, you should yeah. be able to make fun of everybody and they should be able to make fun of you he yeah he made fun the gift of everyone that keeps on he made giving. fun of himself precisely And on that note, let's get to Batman the Anime Series, which will be doing Feet of Clay, Part 1 and Part 2. Bruce Wayne is framed for the attempted murder of Lucius Fox. The real perpetrator is an actor in Master Disguise named Matt Hagen, who has been disfigured in a car accident years ago. In order to keep his fame, he secretly starts working for Roland Daggert, who provides him with a monthly supply of an addictive face cream known as Vicky Ray or Shut up. <laughs> you had thought you were gonna go with Madonna. Renew you. <laughs> that can definitely shape his face back to normal. And he wants to take Wayne Enterprises over for marketing expansion. For botching the murder due to Batman's interference, Hag's supply is cut off. And when he breaks into Eckert's lab for more uh, renew you, he pays the price dearly when Daggart's men drench his face in the formula and force him to swallow liters of it to avoid drowning. Meanwhile, Bruce Wayne is arrested and taken to custody and charged with the assault. 
of Fox. This brings us to number two, where we have Bruce Wayne is released in prison on bail. Hagen, as it turns out, survived the murder attempt on him, but at a high cost, the formula entered his body and soaked every single one of his cells, turning him into a shape-shifting mutant. With his newfound powers, Hagen, now calling himself Clayface, decides to take his revenge on Dagger and his men, and Batman must bring Dagger to justice and stop Clayface before innocent people are hurt. So, Sean, what are your thoughts of Feet of Clay, part one and part two? I think I like part two a little bit better than part one, but it did introduce the character of uh, of Dagger, who is kind of, I, I've always kind of equated him to like Slugworth to, to uh, Bruce Wayne. He's just this parasitic corporate type that is always trying to steal Bruce's ideas, steal, steal his company out from other him. It, it go all the way going to the Dark Knight Rises, where it, they had a version of his character played by Ben Mendelsohn, who uh, tried to do, who funded Bane's ar- army and did what he did. Um, he's he's an interesting character that we're going to revisit going forward. I think my expectation uh, versus the reality of this was the version of Clayface that we got. I was thinking we were getting Basil Carlo because uh, the character, just the classic. Uh, name and it ties me it makes me think of the classic monster transformations and instead we got uh, Matt Hagen uh, act it was the second Clayface and uh, and also when inside in thing I just realized that the uh, the name Basil Carlo if we want to tie it back to the original Batman uh, or from the 60s Batman that was the real name of Falseface uh, the character of Falseface in the Batman 66 uh, comic. Oh I forgot all about that. But I I think that it is a tragic case of a, a tragic monster um, transformation that you get finally in the second one. And that's what I was wanting for. I wanted to see that, that the horror of realizing your whole life is going behind, trying to recapture what you once had. And I felt like it was the first one was bogged down a little bit more on the industrial espionage. And I didn't really take to it as much. I, I, I think it was, kind of slow and kind of it was kind of setting up for the second one it's set up for the second one but i think that they it was a little bit too i needed a little bit more i need a little bit more in the oomph i felt like everything was it was just lacking a little bit in it to the point that it was uh it took me out of the episode but i think it definitely uh i rewatched it this morning it definitely came through in the second half and i i love I love the character of Clayface, and I think that there's so much you can really mine with a character like that. There is a lot of tragedy, tragedy in his character. And oh God, he's probably almost besides Mister Freeze, he's almost the most tragic because yeah. he was like a handsome, go-getting actor, and then he just well, was a little nip tuck kind of sort of, and it turned into a total shit show. They did have well, the. I mean- yeah. This is before he transitioned into Madonna. So, I mean, That's it's very, right. very stressful for him. Yes. I think Madonna needs to stop using the renew you. <laughs> <sighs> the, the odd thing about that is she would probably still look fine if she didn't uh, do all yeah. that. I liked her the way she was. She probably, if she, if there was a renew you, Madonna probably ended up looking like Lady Gaga. <laughs> Maybe they are. They're the same person. Who knows? Oh, Have we ever God. seen them at the same time? No, it's like Latoya. It's like Latoya and uh, Michael. You never saw them in a room at the same time, did you? (laughs) They did an SNL sketch together. It was kind of a passing the torch moment with Madonna showing up in like a coffee talk uh, with uh, with Lady Gaga. Speaking of SNL, you ever seen Madonna and Lady Gaga when they had them on the same time on Saturday Night Live and they started? Yeah, that's what Sean was just saying. I I was just, yeah. 
coffee you gotta talk. pass the torch. I mean, you can. You know what? I mean, it's this is really all Vicky about is, human being. Vicky, is your hearing aid? Is your hearing aid on, Vicky? What? <laughs> Is yours? What? Tr- I try to block you out, Keith. I'm trying to block what? you out. What about yourself, Matthew? What are you, what's your thoughts about Feet of Clay? Well, firstly, uh, Roland Daggart, that's his UK equivalent, is Roland Daggett for America. So I apologize to the Daggett estate and to Warner Brothers who are probably <laughs> listening to this. So I apologize on behalf of the DC Corporation. Keith has got us sued. <laughs> So secondly, the story itself, it's absolutely, I think it's a fantastic transformation story. It's a bit like Frankenstein. And I think the whole stuff with um, Renew You, it's very symbolic. It's about a failed actor because he had such a great career. He was working for crimes to get like basically addiction tackled because the Renew You is symbolic for drugs because they were trying to hint like this is what happens when a downward celebrity starts to decline and they will do anything to stay relevant. I find personally Kevin Conroy's Batman is like very good. Like this, the great thing about Batman now, mate, is you see Detective Batman, you see comical Batman, one of the most hysterical things. And re-watching today, it still has one of the greatest scenes when he's trying to take down the fog by literally cornering him in the tunnel. You hear like the shriek of terror and you see him with the car and the Batwing, like him like trying to do everything he can to get information out of him. And he drops him in the swimming pool. Um, Bell's his name because the one with the headset. And I find the henchmen were just so funny in these two episodes. The only other ones responsible for creating Clayface, um, a boy who took... They took really big advantage of him, like a guinea pig. But the best part for me from part two is the revelation scene where Dad gets on the television. There's this big butch type of woman that you're like, oh, so Daggett, how, uh, what about these rumours? And he starts sweating like a pig. And then suddenly you see him transform into Clayface after revealing that woman was him. And it's like, oh, OK, that big, scary looking lady's him. I think one of my favourite aspects also was Clayface himself being shown all the past films as Matt Hagen, and it yeah. breaks his head. So Clayface is not fully formed yet in this iteration. He's literally can't control his powers. When, when he sees himself, it's too much and overwhelms him. I think part two, I say, part one has a lot of good comedic setup and it delves into the tragic stuff, but part two... When he's all angry in the trailer, he's blaming his friend. He abandons him. I think Hagen, out of the two clay faces, this one, basically, he becomes fully the monster. It's all gone. He died that night. The face transformation happened in part one. And what I liked in both parts, you see the origin of what happened. He literally was in a car crash or something. This was like the equation of like plastic surgery. And basically it's like was a get out of him because i mean one day we could have something like renew you and it really delved into that insight it's a very strong character piece so like if you if you want to see the downside in documentaries of hollywood actors failure it's a really realistic thing for a kid's show and i'd have to say the way they set up the one thing looking back on it i really wish they did more on the lucius fox side or like what yeah. Caused the whole reason of why the he was accident. setting up because 
because Lucius was more of an extra in the story and he was terrified. Yeah. And you're like, why couldn't they build on Lucius more? But apart from that, I really enjoyed both parts. I was going to say, Lucius I mean, also has think... a very strong neck. He took a four by eight falling on his neck yeah. like a guillotine and it's just got knocked out. Not, not, not a broken neck. Not, it's got knocked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love this show because the Joker's died so many times and he come out next. So like, he's alive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I found that Clayface is probably an amalgamation of Lon Chaney and Montgomery Clift, isn't it? Really? You know, the I Montgomery guess. Clift when he had the um, the car crash and kind of almost ruined his career. That's, so that's why yeah. Montgomery Clift has like two different careers. Good looking Montgomery because in the after crash. And Elizabeth even if wanna... Taylor kind of took him under her wing when that happened to him. She always well, that's because she loves the, that's because she loves the gays. She loves she did, the gays. She She's sticking Montgomery. <laughs> even a little bit into, towards um, it's on a much smaller scale. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill famously mm. got in a car accident and had, and had to get facial reconstructive surgery and had to deal with all that and the ramification. Mm. A lot of people were saying, if you look at him, I mean, they had to maul him at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back just to justify the uh, the changes to his face. Yeah, you look at him in the first movie versus Return of the Jedi. It's completely yeah. And then when you actually watch Empire, you can actually see his face seems a bit different until the yeah. mauling scene. You can sort of tell that's the makeup covering it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Also, so, yeah. a bit of uh, of um, uh, House of Wax, a mystery of the Wax Museum. If we're going to go for directly for uh, for the movie tie-ins, that. Yeah. Um, that that's that that's what the uh that's what it kind of reminded me of a little bit but yeah uh he's definitely a lon cheney type because he could you know mold himself into whatever he needs to i, I didn't put together the montgomery cliff part until just now when keith mentioned that but yeah that, that kind of makes sense too i mean if you look at the beginning of clayface in the comic books anyway he came in for the 1930s that's the first first um, mention of clayface and at that time, Lon Chaney was make the Lon Chaney Senior was making a emergence in his films are being re-released, the old right. Phantom of the Opera and all the other stuff. So I'm kind of wondering if Bob Keane was taking notes from Lon Chaney for the Clayface character anyway. Could be. So. Could be. Or if he was just a huge Lon Chaney fan, because everybody in that time period uh kind of was. Everybody that went into media was, uh, because you always mm. hear about Forrest J. Ackerman, Stan Lee, all these guys all love their Lon Chaney mm. movies. So that's, that was probably a big part of it too. And Lon and Chaney then, Jr. was big at doing werewolf at that time. So yeah, he, he kind of took up his father's place of doing the, the big monster makeup movies. Cause he was, he was all, all the major monsters except for the creature and, um, and the invisible man. He was all the others. Yeah. So he was all, he was, if, if there was a guy under makeup, it was probably Lon Chaney Jr. At that point. Mm. I mean, I think another thing that's quite interesting about the story as well is, is that it kind of is a forerunner of where we are today anyway. When you when you think of like, you know, now with social media and Hollywood and, you know, body modifications and facelifts and Botox and fillers and everything like this. I mean, this is before this was, I mean, this episode came out before this became a thing for us now. And that, that's part of it's like our everyday lives now sort of thing. You know, so it's quite interesting that, you know, we got Batman. He's kind of like foretelling what our future may be to, to a certain extent. You we know, live in, in Dallas and, and there's like a med spa, almost maybe two of them, almost in every suburban town of Dallas, because, you know, it, the cosmetic industry is not lacking down here at all. I mean, everybody's lined up to get their Botox or their Juvederm or whatever it is they're getting. 
you know, but mm. I mean, there's, there's some to it. I mean, I, I don't know if it was so much back when they were making these. I guess there was a lot of plastic surgery emerging in the 90s. I mean, it was it was happening, but I don't think it's on the extent that we are today. But the extent that so we got right now, I know we're picking on Madonna, but it's all about vanity and like what Matthew said, staying relevant and finding you just can't stay relevant as the same person, I don't think. You got to adapt. Well, well the, the, the Madonna thing is kind of a cautionary tale anyway. Her face became that way because she went and had a few nips and tucks and it got infected. Filler, so this too. is she got a lot of filler. Got some filler, and then the filler started leaking and everything like that. So she had to get her face restructured, and this is what she has now. So that's what happened to her. So it wasn't like bad. Well, it is bad plastic surgery, but it wasn't because she designed her face that way. It's because this is the aftercore. Um, well, there's I mean, risk with that, anything. Sort of like this. This there, there was risk with it. Apparently, he didn't care that there was risk with it. He mm -hmm. just wanted to be the actor that he was before his accident prior, and he kind of just went downhill and they even that, said his his best work came after the accident he, that's he, right even his uh, friend what was his friend there i can't remember his name i now. don't remember his name either but he was i mean uh let me see here it but was. Did, his best, did his best work come because he was able to change his face into anything due to the renew renew yeah. you or was it because right. of his acting so that, i didn't know that was ed asner that did roland Daggett. that asner was daggett and the great ron perlman is clayface yeah well, that's um, right. Yeah, you did mention that earlier. That's the thing. I didn't even recognize his voice. Usually, I didn't Ron recognize his that, voice. Either. It's a little bit deeper. I'm expecting, but I mean, it's 30 years ago. It sounds completely yeah. And with the animated series, every week Andrea Romano would run out for the best guest test for them. Oh yeah, the, I mean, this he is, and also, I mean, Ron Perlman. I've is ever since the some of my earliest memories were my mom watching the Beauty and the Beast TV show with him and Linda Hamilton. So it's just one of those things. He always plays the torture. Oh, he beast. was be he was he, he the was the beast. beast. He was the I beast. didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, it's I mean, I, it was I, hard I, to tell because Linda Hamilton was never beauty, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, but she had thing. something about her that was kind of, I don't know. I well she wasn't beautiful. She wasn't beauty. She was I mean I love Linda Hamilton, but she's not if you say name the most beautiful women in the world, Linda Hamilton's not going to come in your top hundred list. She's she? different looking, I think. Yeah. I, I don't I, I haven't seen that. I have not seen that show since I was a little kid. I, I haven't really seen that show in eons. Running. I forgot that well, they it's, made it's, that. It's, it's Children of the Corn, Paramount, Linda Hamilton. So. Not it's, it's Children of the Corn, Linda Hamilton. Not Terminator yeah. Two, yeah. Linda. Yeah, that's Hamilton. a oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think this for Batman animated series. I still believe this is one of the best stories for Clayface, especially yeah. like that cop out, that ending where you, he made out he died, and then you just see the shell of him, and he's that woman like hiding out. So. You know he's right. coming back. But he didn't look like he was hiding career. out. He looked like 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 look at me, I'm fooling them all still. So you That's what I mean, yeah, back. like he knows he'll be coming back. Yeah, the only he thing didn't I didn't like the only thing I didn't like about it was after he, he has this, as he put it, the greatest death scene of his career, he couldn't help but turn to Batman. You know, if I had a scene like this, I would I never would have went anywhere. Yeah, he, he couldn't help himself before dying. And I'm like, ah, you, yeah, you big ham. He couldn't help it. Yeah. yeah, but that's but the you know, actor in him because most actors are just egotistical anyway. I mean, we know, you know, we've all dealt with actors. So it's, like, it's one of those things. I'm just like, oh, yeah, Pam, you couldn't help them. yourself. But it, yeah, I, it, you're absolutely right, man. This is. But a I mean, I think that these two, they, they kind of resonates because who doesn't want to keep themselves looking youthful and whatever? Who doesn't want to be? Uh, able to also, that clip of the woman with wrinkles, like de aging, that could effectively happen one day. Like you could see an advert, and that could happen. 
I found this kind of funny because I remember like after this episode came out when back in what, 93, this came out and didn't resident evil. Remember the a marketing campaign for the new, the resident evil film. And it didn't have um, Mila Janovich. It had like, you know, you know, oh, the, the umbrella v, you cream. Know, yeah. And yeah, it slowly the devolved from cream. cosmetic ad to you know, something that's more sinister. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I and it kind of came out like right after this episode came out, which is kind of interesting, actually, because it's almost like, oh, this is kind of a little bit of a weird tie in in a weird sort of way, like mixing to your teen universes. Mm. But I think, um, I mean, Lucy as Fox, I mean, I, I don't know. We, I, th- I think it's yet we have yet to see him as a more central character in the animated series anyway. He's kind of just flitting around in the background at the moment. He doesn't Isn't know he? that Bruce is Batman yet. Though, right? Yeah, I don't. He's just kind of no. I think that's why he was terrified of Bruce, like attacking yeah. him, assuming it was him. So he doesn't know the identity, despite working for him for a decade, which is interesting because normally they have Lucius in the inner circle. Yeah, I think because I, I mean, the movie, the Christian Bale series has um, Lucius in from the very beginning because you know he's going in there, tearing out, you know, basically ripping off his own company with all these little gadgets and stuff. So I guess at this point, I guess that Bruce's gadgets, he's either stealing them without Lucius Fox or he's just masterminding his own stuff without Bruce Wayne's <laughs> he's got money, putting all this stuff together his own. Or he's not using Wayne Foundation money. He's using, uh, or, or Wayne, Wayne Industries money. He's using his own money, you know, mm. which is weird to say, but he's using the money that he pays himself to fund, to fund all this rather than using company funds. Yeah, so I guess he designed his own Batmobile and had, and sent off to China to get it made. I suppose. So Maybe. do they ever? <laughs> Taiwan. It's, it's pretty much Batmobile. They explain it in Batman Begins. Like he orders a piece of a cowl from one thing. He orders, but he orders in bulk, so he's got like five thousand cows, five thousand masks, five thousand sheep. <laughs> oh yeah. They're all just sitting in a room somewhere in a warehouse in the cave. And an IKEA cover, flat pack cupboard that he's put up when he's building the cave. He's got a storage pod that he hides in the bat cave somewhere. He's got all the extras there. Because if, if, if I remember like, Batman not the begins, warehouse again. <laughs> if I remember Batman Begins correctly, Lucius Fox is let into everything or or, or is, uh, is brought into the fold. Do they ever bring him into the fold in the animated series or... I, I think remember. when they do it, it's just he's already accepted it later on. I don't think they explain it on screen. I think later he's just part of it, but he's not. He's still a guest character, but he's more with it. He's just not fully integrated as it goes on. It's like he's there, but he's not fully there. It's like he's more of an extra in the series. It's kind of like Robin. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think when um Batgirl starts making an appearance, I think we get Chris, we get Gordon a little bit more involved and yeah, I think Lucius Gordon Fox becomes more involved more so these secondary involved. characters start becoming more more knowing yeah Bullock by that point I think series four he's more accepting of Batman this is when he was all anti-bat and everything at this point mm. well we'll start seeing that turn in Bullock soon the seeds are yeah, right well, that, that, we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that in a minute yeah but, saying that that brings us to vendetta 
which is Detective <laughs> Bollock is arrested for kidnapping Batman, who dislikes Bollock for, but nevertheless believes him to be a good man. Investigates and discovers the identity of the real cri criminal, Killer Croc, who harbors a vendetta against Bollock for capturing him once. Batman must clear Bollock's name before it's too late. So, Matthew, what are your thoughts about Vendetta? Now, Vendetta it was like the turning point for like the animated series for half before Detective Harvey Bullock, because up until this point, he was very much, uh, oh, I don't like Batman. He's not my hero. I don't want him associated with anything. Then in this story, it's just got some great humor. Like uh, you've got Killer Croc that you're dressing as Bullock at one point, which is absolutely ridiculous, but it's brilliant. <laughs> um, you've got a uh, like, Oh, there's a bomb like planted by Bullock. And like, no, he'd never do such a thing. Oh, give Boba. He, he's not he's not this menace for making him out to be from God. He's like, give him the benefit of the doubt, let him off. Any other normal cop would have been arrested from this kind of like charge. But no one, um, I think we're on like what I'd call the Rogues Gallery era of Batman. This is besides Mr. J, this is starting to look at everyone else. This is Killer Croc's turn in this iteration. He's not Waylon Jones. Um, he's like some kind of different version of Killer Croc at this point. But oh yeah, he's a former wrestler. But the comedy, it's like one minute it's really menacing. And then you've got like this thing called Spider, who's like one of like the like one of the squealers, and he's terrified of him. He's like, no, don't yeah. hurt me. Ah! It's like in the cave, and it's like, don't hurt me, get back, you animal. And it's like that kind of thing. And it's like this is really comedic again, but what I enjoy from like this series is like when it's when Batman's being incredibly comical, you know it's gonna be a good episode. Like in the last one, when he dropped the guy in the pool, he had like this incredible voice changer. This one, it's like, oh, he's looking through the stuff in the office and you see Bullock sweating really badly. He's like, Oh, I'll show him about my old vendetta. And it's like, uh, you really didn't look for your file, Bullock. It's like you got like possessive and he left and he was disbanded i think this is when it's the turning point the villains have all got like great origin stories you're finding out like bullock was at the center of like a massive case and they were trying to cover it up and you do hear as well like the last one it was relevant to drugs here's like you're protecting a police officer giving him the benefit of doubt in this until guilty which is very oh, rare hinged in the on that toothpick <laughs> oh yeah that very nobody funny. who works on a dock who can't smoke ever chews on toothpicks or anything like oh that. no i think that was the great Worst thing like killer croc knew the ins and out of bullock's traits so yeah. he could easily frame him so right he, so they believed him that so, eating in every scene that he's in those are his two traits oh yes when he I did not eat this one. Thing. I was, I was, I was surprised. He lost his appetite as soon as he got sharp accused. I, I'm guessing because he did not. Oh yeah, he didn't food. eat for this week. But like, what's interesting to connect this quickly back to the Clayface one. So you had Bruce set up in the last one. This you got Bullock set up. So it's interesting. Like you got a police person being set up, and you got the most famous rich person that somehow nobody knows is Batman was being set up, which always amused me that nobody could tell from that drawline and voice it's Bruce but it was... line. that jawline is not as square as it gets doesn't it <laughs> there's so much yeah. in this one there's so much inconsistent like uh, when he's 
how many professional wrestlers turned reptilian villains are there in Gotham City? <laughs> that that he, that, that's that I gotta well. see this wrestling federation. It's wacky in Gotham. But, he, but here's the I thing. I was when he was Mexican. <laughs> that sense. I can see that as a luchador. He could definitely be a luchador. Yeah. No, I think what I think what kills me the most of it is like, say, they look on the press and it says Killer Croc's like a famous wrestler. It's like Bruce is like, how come I've never heard of Killer Croc? But it's he like, knows him because he thinks of him when he when he thinks of the crocodile. Now, that was Alfred what we were saying. Like, is he? Oh, did there's, he, there's did he the not think of him because he was so low way, level. A crock pot. The crock yeah. pot. Yeah, he finally found oh, yeah, thanks for making my dinner that's what in the crock triggered pot. in his brain that, that it's oh, it's probably Killer Croc, who he's never who one he's never heard of, B was a famous wrestler, C was fucking headline news when he was caught. How? Okay, I think what he was saying was I didn't he, I didn't know of him because he was so low level. And then when he got caught, it was in the back of his mind. And he didn't know what, him until and Alfred what made also his friend smile. What also made me smile was like when he called Alfred your genius, he said, and Alfred with his famous wits, like, oh, well, I bet uh, he'd wonder what I'd think if I said about the salad. And it's like, is that all you're thinking, Alfred? Is your compliments? <laughs> that being said, I bet that French onion soup is fantastic. I bet he made it perfectly. I, no, Big I think that's right in there. It'd be great. Yeah. I think good hearty French onion soup wrong. I think what makes Bruce and Alfred so great on this show is like they've got both two different sets of humors, and you don't expect Batman to be funny, but when it's like Alfred, you're genius, and you're like, why is this so funny? It shouldn't be, but it is. It's their dynamic. I forget if it was this one or the next one. Uh, he, he, Batman has a little moment where he swings in through uh, a window and he see accidentally falls in front of a woman in a robe. That lady's sitting there going, hmm. Yeah. Mm, and <laughs> even he, he like, thank you, God. Back, he gets a little smile on his way out. Like, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's the next one yes. because it's when it's when he uh, oh, yeah. when Robin he's going to say Robin, yeah. him, so he swings yeah. it through the window. But, but you're right; they're slipping more of a personality into Batman more than just the. He's he's slowly becoming more comfortable in the suit, and yeah, the Playboy is starting to mingle a little bit with. The, he's with in there the, still, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, series there. one is very interesting compared to the rest of it. It seems like they're having fun. They're trialing the market each week. Even if there's dark story, there's like like comedy compared to like the rest of it as it goes on. Yeah. Like I do. I kind of wish they had more of a origin story for Killer Croc to understand why he really is, turn, why he turned into a crocodile. Yeah, they just said half fishman who worked in the. It was yeah. a it was carny. I mean, is, is he a, is is he a man walking around in a Godzilla outfit? And that's why he's Killer Croc. They mentioned he was in the sideshow, yeah. and then he became a wrestler. He's a carny turned pro wrestler, so he's a carny turned carny. Uh, oh, okay. But when she did the baby doll stuff, it gets even weirder than that. But we'll get to that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's been oh god. Yeah. Because I mean I it's good to see Bollocks front and center. Bollocks. Front I'm happy and that Bullock get a, got a full uh, we got a full uh, Bullock episode. He's a character yeah. that you know he's he's very irritable. He usually it's a one-note joke. He's the cop that hates Batman. You got is for every Gordon who oh. understands what Batman's doing, you gotta have one that's the hard nose. No, is he hates Batman as much as it's more. He's a vigilante who doesn't have to answer to anybody, so he's allowed to break all the rules that I have to follow. Yeah, yeah. 
He's like, I, yeah. I, Bo- I have because bollocks is bo- bollocks is about going by the rules and every he's a yeah. rules man. You know, you go, you follow the rules. These are the rules. You stick to them. You can't break and then, them. Well, and Batman did finally have an understanding now because at least yeah, they kind that, of they start to. You start to. Yeah, that was a little great so, ending. Uh, it's a smidge, but it's a start. It's the beginning of eh, you're all. It was right. a little bit more in a previous episode. I forget which one, but now he saves Bullock. So Bullock's yeah. like, wait a minute, maybe I've got this guy wrong because he's got every reason to let me fry here, and he doesn't. Right. Even Batman admits, it's like, look, I didn't know you're not guilty. As far as I know, you were. But I'll yeah, be- and that's what makes this a stronger ending than the Clayface one. The Clayface one was left open for the door to continue, and this one, it's more or less like them finally building mutual trust and respect for each other after him wanting him arrested from the first time that he heard of him, the first time he wanted to meet him. First time they met, he was like, no, you're going to jail. We're about, what, 21 episodes in here and it's starting to change the wind for him. I mean, that's, no, what, that's one good thing about this, the animated sorry, series Al. anyway, is that characters, um, character changes do carry throughout the rest of the series, which is quite nice. You know, it's not like what it used to be, like you watch, you know, superhero cartoons or TV shows and whatever happened, basically the, they, the next the next season would come and it, like, nothing's changed. Like there's never, it was never any interaction going on. All the characters are exactly the same week after week, whether you're watching Matlock or yeah. <laughs> Millen and Wife or Art R or Batman or superheroes or... It was uh, this show and X-Men kind of started changing that because X-Men, well, X-Men was even more like these stories were more self-contained. Once X-Men came out, it just became all about, you know, the the, the greater series and everything leads into something else to the point where if you missed it when you were a kid, that was it. You kind of missed a chapter and it kind of, oh, I got to wait like four or five weeks because I, I, you know, but if I want the whole story, um, but yeah, this uh, that, it, it is nice to see some kind of uh, some kind of ramifications for everything that's going on, because like you said, it was it, it was everything re- everything resets, and I I always dislike that about most television, is that everything just resets at the end, nothing like matters. All over, it doesn't build on each other at all. But I mean, that, that's, that's also a product. I guess that's also a product of the '90s, anyway. I think TiVo kind of helped that along. Yeah, but Buffy, you know, with shows like Buffy and things like that, where yeah. now, every, now, 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 today, every show is a soap opera now, anyway. Basically, yep. now I think what's great with these episodes as well is it's more detective Batman, so he's doing a lot more investigation work. I mean, one bit I forgot to highlight from the last episode was when he was holding that guy that. One that was the germaphobe, like to hostage. It was seawater, and he made it out like it was a germ thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you have two more chances, and then he's like, last chance, and he's so petrified, and it's just seawater. It's like this is Batman's threatening sense of humor coming out. It's like, oh, okay, I know what makes him tick. Now let's see if we can do this while making the audience laugh unintentionally. Batman with the biochemical warfare. Yeah, (laughs) again, that's what I mean. Seawater, and he's using less gadgets as this series has gone on it's more detective batman which is what he's famously known for and i think as the show goes on it's more about the gadget side like james bond when it goes on more right yeah i mean that's the kind of the same with 
any major franchise, you got to keep reinventing it. And what what the little things that people like, whether it be the gadgets, the gizmos, I think, the ring, I or... think series four though is the funniest design that they were sharing with the Animaniacs. I think that's why it looks that way for the final series. Yeah, God, I got to go back and I, I'm, when we get to it, I can't wait to see it again because it's been years since I've seen the the later seasons of these. Mm. Oh, we're almost coming up to the end of the first. Yeah. Yeah. And this brings us to fear of victory. The scarecrow invents a fear chemical that is activated by adrenaline. Then he uses it to affect the outcome of athletic events. Whenever a single person becomes agitated, the fear chemical kicks in, turning his excitement to fear. The scarecrow bets against the sports stars teams as part of his criminal scheme to scare up some quick cash. And Batman and Robin must foil his plot. So, Joe, what are your thoughts about fear of victory? Watching it, I kind of felt like, is this what we've reduced Scarecrow to? Is he he gets out of, he gets out of Arkham and uses his powder to uh, uses his uh, his his fear chemicals to uh, uh, to, rig, to, to the, bet on the rig sporting, sporting events. Sporting events. <laughs> well, he was making money at it though. Yeah, he's got he's got a bunch of capital. He got they do, they do. It's funny because I was I was mentioning to Sean, and then like a couple scenes later, they're like, I, well, he he mentions himself to Batman. Well, this is how I, I got to rebuild some chemicals money. aren't going to pay for themselves. That's right. <laughs> That's He's what it was. Such an ugly character. Too. Aren't cheap yeah. was, was the line or something. He had to rebuild his capital so he could buy more, so then he could have the more, you know, the the more. I like how they went money. in. They showed who was like, you know, like who was in prison through the glass. They finally kind of introduced uh, an idea, or at least the theory in the viewer's minds, of how easy it is to get out of Arkham, because all you have yeah. to do is well, that's the one order you watch and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is not yeah. hard at all, even in no. the 60s series. Like, how, how the was, hell, wait, didn't Joker just try to just try to take over the world five episodes ago, and now he's yep. out on the streets again? Okay, Poison Ivy, she was in there still. Who else did they show us? Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. Uh, Harvey Dent. Yeah. And that's it because they really didn't, they haven't really introduced the Riddler yet. No. 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 And, uh, did we get, we got Penguin once, I think, so we far. Penguin. But yeah, but, Pen but Penguin, but Penguin was, yeah, yeah, but, they, but Penguin's more of a crime lord kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's very rarely gets his hands dirty. So I mean, he does get his hands dirty a little bit because he had that human, that big bird thing coming after the children. <laughs> That's right. So, so yeah, we have the. Um, I mean, it's. This, I always like the scarecrow anyway because I think the scarecrow is a more of a clever villain anyway. I mean, to use people's fears against them. The only thing I can sit there and say is that Robin is very whiny in this episode. Well, because <laughs> you know I mean? he gets scared because he got so, he had a contact. Yeah, but I think I think the I think the trouble is is that as you, as you'll see from this point forward, Robin's character starts changing and evolving, and and then of course when we get to his origin story after that point, Robin becomes more of a character, and then then we'll get to his 
dissatisfaction with working with Batman that starts coming through as well. Yes, and the so, Nightwing era. Batman never includes him in any adventures. Is that why he becomes dissatisfied? That's the vibe I'm getting. I'm like, he's away at university. So he's I mean, at like, university. He so he's cut. Yeah, so that's the reason why Rob, the reason why Robin's not around is because he's at university. So when he comes home during the summers and school holidays, that's when they're fighting crime together. So Robin's Robin's a little bit older than what than what we anticipated him to be. He's not a kid, um, really. Yeah, he's he's probably we're probably he's somewhere between eighteen and twenty at the moment. So yes, it would have to be. So um, <laughs> they don't have his so, origin story yet, though. Not yet. But they also, yeah, no, that I think that's next month or the month after but what we do have here is um robin i still think they're trying to they're still trying to map him out a little bit so they're giving him a little bit of backstory that he's at university and they're you know that's the reason why he had a fear of heights when he should have had a fear of heights and stuff like that yeah yeah so but he did come across i think um the guy who does his voice doesn't have he his voice robin's voice becomes a bit yeah, but he's a bit whiny here. You know, and even, oh, yeah. even like yeah. in the beginning, we like, even, even, even before the fear gas hits him, he's a bit whiny. <laughs> yeah, I think he gets more better when they get into the Nightwing era on this show more than Robin. But you know, that's why yeah. Tim Drake's more of the iconic Robin with this show. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, so we kind of get that, you know, so, so the Robin. And I think that, you know, they, they are kind of, you know, Robin's still quite new to this universe. And I think the actor, the, you know, Lauren, is getting his feet, you know, basically trying to establish his character, which he in the next couple of episodes, you'll see Robin's voice start changing and becoming a bit more Robin-esque, um, I guess. I'm not mm. and more more of a college Rob more than a more like college Robin than you know puberty Robin. Because he sounds like puberty Robin in this. <laughs> like, oh my god, okay. <laughs> I think they're still trying to portray him as not yet a man, but he's still a, the kind of a, a kid, but in between, you know. And I, I think mm. that's why you see all the indecisiveness and stuff. And I mean, he was an easy target for that poison too, because he's still yeah. kind of an unknown character. We don't really have a background on him yet, but most people know that he, you know, came from a family of acrobats. Ergo, he didn't want to be. I mean, it's like when he was hanging onto the side of the the, the structure, the building. You know, mm. like Batman. It took about, but then I mean, people were it, throwing gargoyles at them, though. So that would probably upset me hanging on the side of the building. Steve's are really good at, dis- at breaking off gargoyles. Yeah, I know. Really yeah. It's easy. <laughs> he must have been in the poor <laughs> side of town. <laughs> Non-union <laughs> job. That's what it was. That concrete, mm. man. <laughs> yeah. I know. It didn't really, like, they weren't really putting too much wait into it they were just kind of like launching them that's it they were kind of launching them over and this this is when batman swings into the 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 woman's window like you guys were mentioning yeah he made the uh the uh, animal house reference of thank you lord thank you lord (laughs) Lord. (laughs) Uh, you remember that i always get a kick out of that with that girl thank you lord um yeah, overall, out of the four, I kind of like this one the most. So did I. Because I kind of just, I, I, I like the absurdity of this one. And uh, it was it's, it was more fun. It wasn't as serious, though, too. I yeah, mean, I think they were back in the Arkham. days when they were trying to scarecrow. Yeah. Sorry, so you can continue. 
Like, this is more the days when they're trialing out Scarecrow because he's not the fear master like Freddy Krueger, like how he is later. This is right. more comical. One of my favorite quotes from this episode when he's in jail, Easy's heart says, Good evening, my child. Worship me, fools. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like, What? Why are you like telling people to worship you when you're arrested? You're right. Yeah, that <laughs> was is- kind of. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I didn't know no, what he meant just, by that. He's very more comical for like a doctor that's literally become like this equivalent of like the horror scene, and yet he's too comical. And yet, when you see him as it goes on, you see the fear gas change into his iconic persona. Jonathan Crane is one of the greatest Batman villains, but not yet. This was yeah. more like when he was a low level villain working his way through the ranks. When they redesign him from looking like an actual scarecrow, I mean, his redesign was more terrifying when he's like the Grim Reaper with a giant siphon series four, and it's like that's the sca- that's the scarecrow. This is budget scarecrow till we get to him. It's kind of oh. like Harley Quinn uh, last right. month, you know. You, you you're getting like the early the early iterations of these characters that are eventually going to become, uh, you know, like massive major parts of the universe. Of uh, course. So yeah. Uh, it it does it does that it it does give you a little basis for the scarecrow, which I think this is what the second or third time we're seeing him in this. I think it's the yeah, second. but I think this is more featured episode because he's been mainly like a guest star of the week and some of them like where he's just turned up like for a cameo. I need to start making like a little flow chart of which villains we're getting, so we can kind of. But I just think this is when they're building the rogues gallery, as it's now called, where you're seeing each Batman villain of the week. Like you see that origin in series one and series two. It's more about them like starting to fully develop. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the I mean, I always I always like the scarecrow. I mean, even when even when you see the scare, even when you see the scarecrow out of his getup and he's in his human form, he's still kind of he's a very weird looking character. <laughs> Exactly. He's got like, he's got that. It's it's the smile, you know. Smile, you're the and the beat and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, he looks like an anorexic Jim Bob Walton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm revisiting Twin Peaks right now, and he kind of reminds me uh, at this point of Rust Hamblin's Doctor Jacoby. Uh, I just can't. Uh, yeah. I just kind of a little strung out on his own on his own pills and his own meds. Slowly getting a little bit more out there, a little bit more wonkier as it goes on. And it, that's just kind of what the vibe I'm getting from him. And it's it's kind of what I like with this first series, like we've covered Clayface was fun because you're seeing like the tragedy of the gentleman who's become into this giant monster. You're seeing Killer Croc, who's some kind of circus ensemble that turned restless somehow. So in Gotham, you can have more on one thing on your CV. And then Jonathan Crane, it seems like he's the Joker at this point. He's cracking jokes. He's having fun, but with Freddy Krueger's edge until later. So it's like they're trying to establish these as all fun right now, but they've got some dark tragedies on the top, but back in the background. So you think about that stuff later. Right. Yeah. I think when they won their Emmy for um, Heart of Ice, which would come after the series came out, I think that's when they realized it's like, okay, we can do stuff with our villains now because... You know, that won so many awards. So I think, you know, with the Mr. Freeze episode, I think that's when they realized it's like, well, we can actually. That was Mark Hamill's first thing he recorded for Batman. He was the villain of that story, the one that turned him into Mr. Freeze. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, Yeah. chronologically for him, that was the first thing he recorded, but Joker came out first because of this whole production order being out of order. 
Yeah, because they did the Christmas one first, didn't they? So, yes, where Joker just randomly busts out with a tree singing. Yes, someone gave my favorite joke of Mark when the Killing Joke happened. He said, "The only way you'd ever get Mark Hamill back is if he's allowed one singing number per Joker." <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. He's 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 hilarious. Oh, he is. Yes. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level? Or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them via email at amazing designs 505 at gmail.com that's amazing designs 505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at country code 1-805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. Mm. So I guess this brings us to who's our favorite character and our least favorite character, this Batman episodes starting with you vicky who's your favorite character and your least favorite character character least very i don't have any least favorite characters in this slot if i had to pick what about marlon brando he appears in this probably the killer croc because i don't know you see you didn't seem out of place kind of seemed out of place he seemed kind of random for some reason to me i don't know why but um, I didn't hate him, but he isn't my favorite villain so far. But mm. uh, favorite, are we going in favorite? And, or what's yeah, that? You got your, fa- yeah, you got fa- your favorite fairly. one now. I don't know why we do this all the time. I'm going to have to go with, uh, not my, I can't say Robin was my favorite character this time around. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, well, we didn't even have the Joker, really. We, we did, just very briefly, not really. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm gonna. I mean, didn't, I love James Gordon, but we didn't have him that long. Bob Hastings, James Gordon. He wasn't even really in there. I'm trying to think. Really briefly think. in the yeah, briefly in the Killer Croc episode. Otherwise, I don't think he was in it at all. Was okay. He? I'm gonna go with. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I can't go with Batman because he's on it all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna probably go with Roland Daggett because he's uh because he's such a, a he's he's the the drug dealer of the group I guess I, I mean let's root for the bad guy here I mean he's oh got that's a, another thing oh that's was another thing completely forgot you had him and Rupert Fawn two established Batman villains so it was funny you had like the the main mobsters across these two episodes. Yeah, well, he's got the he's doing the black marketeering. We're going to see more of him, I'm assuming, considering mm. I don't remember a lot of these cartoons because it's been a while. But that's where I'm going with that. And and as far as my favorite episode would be the one we just covered because I got a kick out of watching everybody get have their biggest fear be you know amplified by touching you know the scary poison 
But I mean, it was sort of like getting anthrax with a kick, I guess. But it was it was a great it was a great episode. I thought it was entertaining. It wasn't as serious and it wasn't as deep as the others, but it was fun. What about yourself, Sean? Who's your favorite character and least favorite character? I think my favorite character, I'm going back and forth between Clayface and Scarecrow. I think it would be Scarecrow. He uh just having fun. That you could tell that the actor was having a lot of fun with the script this go around. Yeah. And and it, it was it was enjoyable to watch. I, I, do, I am looking forward to seeing Ron Perlman as Clayface going forward. And But I, I just think as far as the first... Uh, he, he sticks it out to the series, I, right? So. Kind of. I could be mistaken, but I think he does. Yes. Because he oh. just he didn't really start taking off until the, the, the universes took off, really. Yeah. Did he? I don't I don't believe so. No, but I, I think uh, I'm pretty sure he's he, he's him going forward and probably the least uh, or my least favorite. And I think it's just the episode overall was my least favorite would probably be Killer Croc. Uh, not that it, he uh, Killer Croc's a bad character. No, he's not. Not that it, it, it was bad in the role. I just think the whole episode kind of felt off in a way. Something about it, it felt a little bit more slow and it wasn't as memorable. I tried rewatching it again this morning and I fell asleep. Well, the one memorable part about it that I liked is when he pulls out that light at the end, you know, and, and illuminates it all with, I don't know if it's infrared light and like appeared to be infrared, but, oh, yeah. you know, it got kind of interesting toward the end. Oh, yeah, no, the, the fight scenes and the and the way that Batman outsmarts him, I appreciated using the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the bright lights and the sewer and everything and taking advantage of the darkness and it's it that was that was good i just I guess they're still sit, getting their sea legs so to yeah speak. pretty much and what about yourself joe who's your favorite character and least favorite character least favorite is probably robin in this case because i just <laughs> I, I don't like that they just bring him out whenever they feel like it, it i was gonna feels, ask you guys about that it's random when he shows up for me it kind of feels cheap you know it feels like uh let's just he's in and out um like, like he's only there when the you know when when it's um uh when it feeds the plot and i get that okay he's away at university but it's just I, I never really liked that. Is he that always movie. away at university in That's the background? The thing. Like Even it's... in the beginning? Well, he's in, he's he, in be, he, becomes a, he becomes a, He becomes a regular feature, and after next month, you'll see that he becomes a regular feature. But, I mean, he's always technically in the background, right? He's just no, His character he, he, was not developed he'll, he'll, until... No, he um, in the, not next month, but the month after, he'll become a regular... He'll, he'll, he'll be a regular... I think we've only gotcha. talked about him maybe three times total on the podcast. I think he's only been in like three or f- three episodes. Two. He's been in, he's only been in one. One he's, other one. He's, in one been before in, he's, this. Been the, he's been the Christmas one. That's it. Okay. Yeah. yeah that was going to say this is the only time other uh, the second time since the, since the, the very first one. So I just, I, I just kind of feel like it's kind of lazy. Like you just kind of pull him out when, when it suits the script and then he just kind of disappears again. And well, I get why. Really- it really depends on this production order they had planned. I mean, if you watch it in the order it's meant to be, it's Solo Batman, then Robin arrives later. Right. So if you go by production order... It's confusing. Uh, yeah, it's if you go by the way it was meant to be, Ro- Robin's meant to be joining around now. Instead, Batman's supposed to be on his own for ages. So because we're doing it normally, that's why it's all feeling like in and out. Right, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because Batman becomes Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. Like, does. 
third or fourth season, I think. Um, so yeah, he's probably my least favorite here. Uh, he's also like he said, he's very whiny throughout the whole thing. Um, that'd be whiny too. I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's an acrobat, that. isn't he? Well, yeah, he was an acrobat, supposedly. Um, so yeah, he's he's my least favorite. My favorite, and this is where man, like, I feel like there were slim pickings for for this go round, man. Like, uh, of all the uh, the four episode sets, I feel like we just got like the weakest chunk of them here. Um, I kind of want to go with Clayface, probably because probably just because there really isn't that much to choose from. Like they don't give Lucius Fox much to do. I think this is the first time we're seeing him. Uh, Scarecrow's funny, but you know, nothing really to write home about. Uh, And Clayface at this point kind of feels like a retread because they did the great ghost a few episodes ago. Okay. This kind of feels like you're kind of retreading the same ground again, you know, down on his luck actor, uh, yeah, you're right. I didn't think of that one. Also, there, there, there is one thing that I forgot to bring up during the during the Scarecrow episodes. What, when, are, and it goes back. We bring this up every time. When is this taking place? Because they're playing football with leather helmets. Oh yeah, the, the leather. leather it's, it's, it's like the thirties. It's like the thirties and twenty. Well, actually, the twenties and thirties and forties. Yeah. But they've got technology, so it's really. What are they doing? they're just combining universes together i like i you know i like that that we have to ask this every month because i think it's actually it's actually kind of one of the more interesting well they stick with the 40s hairdos those are 40s hairdos for the most black and white sports blooper reels and the uh the gangsters dress like gangsters in 1930s movies you know they got the tommy guns they got the tommy guns yeah so i I, i'm kind of having fun with that aspect of it but then you have oh, you have television, you have video, you have all this other stuff that's more modern. So that that's kind of interesting about it too. Um, but yeah, I guess Clayface would have to be, you know, I probably would have like I the, the Clayface that I'm more familiar with had more uh, horror, classic horror um, references to it, and this one didn't. I, I feel like I was kind of let down by that. Um, I don't feel like like any of these four episodes are very memorable. They're not um, like the other ones were. That's why I yeah, was having like, a hard time coming up with characters. Like, I'm not ready. For yeah, this, but, yeah Vicky was struggling, too, coming up with her favorite character. And I'm like, wow, what am I even going to say for this one? Because with, with all the other batches of episodes, there was always, like, at least one that, like, stood out. Stood out. As, like, yeah. this is, like, the gem of this of this group of four and i can i i am so hard pressed to find that with those like mr freeze there was like a million things about those episodes you just, yeah the heart of ice episode was the easy stand out there the great ghost was the easy stand out there um uh was the one with the, the kids in the sewer with the kind of oliver yeah, the oliver the, twist thing uh, yeah that was you know that that really stood out so this this is strange i'm like i really cannot find like a favorite on this one i just got to give it to clayface because well, it's something they're trying, uh, but it just feels so close to the Great Ghost. It feels like they kind of did the same thing. It twice. does, but it's not though, because the Great Ghost had a little more class and a little more. It's, uh, this is just a blob, a gelatinous blob of drug-induced mania, basically. <laughs> 
I, I, I think I, I may have gone in <laughs> and I didn't get what I was expecting and that might have soured me a little bit on it. And I don't know if that might be the case. It is about yourself, Matthew. What's your favorite and least favorite character? I think because it's been ages since I've watched these, but go back into it, the Clayface one still stands as my favorite because it's again, it's that whole side. Like when you're watching it, it's an actor who is on on desperation. He wants to do anything he can to stay in the film industry, and he basically sacrificed his humanity, which you hear consistently about. It's like when people say actors are horrible people and that came through in Matt in Matt's character. You literally watch him. He probably was such a nice gentleman before the actual episodes occurred. And by taking the renew you, it horrified him. Like he had anger issues. It's like he transformed into like one of those actors you hear about that you don't want to hear about. Nice to the camera because they're there for the money. That's exactly what he was there for. He was there for money and keeping his fame relevant. I would say I love the sound effects in this as well. I mean, episode one, it now it gets marked down because of how they treated Lucius. But episode two, it's just a really strong episode for Clayface, really. And but I will say the humor made up for it, especially as I said earlier, when he had the guy's car literally on the edge of the bat wing and he's so terrified and it's just so like how could, if you saw that in real life it would be just too hysterical watching a plane with a car like that it'd be just so funny I'd think for me personally if we look at the three episodes Killer Croc they didn't have an origin for him at all I think literally add more to his character as he goes on it's like they'd finished his story when you're watching it and it's like okay this is his debut, and you don't really know much about him. No. Where in the third episode, Jonathan Crane is like a comedic clown. It's like they they literally just swap the Joker for this week's episode. So he's normally the master of fear. So I'd think out of the three of them, Clayface is probably the strong contender. The weak link is probably the Bullock story, because you don't know anything about Killer Croc, really, apart from him being a wrestler. And that him and Bullock were at odds, which they don't really dive into in the later series. So that kind of marks it down. But least favourite character. I don't think there was any least favourite in these three stories for me. I just think writing-wise, I'd think the strongest happened to be the two-parter. Because when you've watched them as a whole, you're watching a, a great sadness like Harvey Dent when he had the whole thing that happened to him. It's like... This is what I'd call the tragedy series for Batman, where they're sure there's comedic moments, but a lot of these villains have got such tragic origins. They and do. as it goes goes on, it tries to be a lot more funner. So I'd say Clayface, for me, was the winner for this week, followed by Crane, followed by Killer Croc. There, there was one thing I've, you you mentioned though the whole thing with the, the 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 car on the edge of the plane. It makes sense that Batman has a microphone so that the guy in the car, the the thug in the car, could hear him. But how's Batman hearing his responses? Oh, I was I was crying with laughter when he was like, "What? I don't know where I was," and then he just bolted out of there. <laughs> 
I mean, I thought with that episode, it was good to see Reggie Mantle from the Archies have an have an adult starring role as Don Cans, uh, the, the the hunchman with the headphones on, because I mean we haven't seen him since the Archies, and yeah, I see, <laughs> but I do feel sorry for Reggie Mantle because I do think that poor actor is now being typecast. So, but um, no, my favorite act. I mean, I guess my favorite character would have to be um, Scarecrow because I just I I like the the whole human esque version of of Scarecrow and what he stands for. My least favorite probably has to be a bit more Daggett because it's just he just his character doesn't make a lot of sense for me. And every time I see him, I do think Marlon Brando is kind of funny, but I just <laughs> I kind of wish I kind of wish I maybe it's because I want Daggett to talk like. Um, Marlon Brando and The Godfather. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> He's fantastic. But, but it's only because it's, it's kind of like they're kind of using Daggett to kind of glue things together and he doesn't really glue the, glue the episode together like I think they wanted him to. Yeah. So, yeah. It feels but, uh, like, if sorry, it just felt like part one, when you watch, it feels like it's an amalgamation of stories you didn't have time for. They collected that to part one and part two was the proper story. Hmm. Yeah. I would have liked I would like the crocodile um, episode more if they they needed to draw that character out because it does because I think I mean if he was if he was the croc and let's sit there and say he was in human form and I think that would be different but because he's an anamorph um, you kind of need a backstory for an anamorph character you know if he looks like a crocodile he's walking like a crocodile and he's a crocodile on two you know two legs and the feet and he and has the no story he has none no. well I mean the thing is I mean even Lobster Man and Lobster Boy and during the freak shows I mean they had like little hands that were kind of like glued together and they were real like circus freaks right you know, or the human torso or you know or even the bearded lady okay you don't need that much of a background story for like, like in a circus sideshow but if you I mean, if you're born and you look like a bloody crocodile, then you kind of need a, more of a backstory than that. <laughs> it's like, what happened? Did your mother drop on your head? Or what Precisely. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you kind of needed that penguin backstory from Batman Returns. You know, <laughs> deformed baby being dumped into the sewers by the parents or something. Right. So you kind of need another backstory. And then Pee Wee Herman shows back up for them. <laughs> yeah. Urgh. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's the guy you play. That's Paul Rubens who played his dad in it, and then he played yeah. um the penguin on Gotham's dad again. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he so. did. They're so funny mm-hmm. that officially now in any universe is Paul Rubens who's the father of the penguin. <laughs> in any universe, yeah, any well, yeah. yeah. It should be. Apparently, I mean, apparently, penguin was conceived in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that he cleared off from him. So the real penguin <laughs> is the one on Gotham. So he dumped the DeVito penguin. Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Batman next week will be covering the episodes of The Clock King, Appointment in Crime Alley, Mad as a Hatter, and Dreams in Darkness. And of course, next week will be our Make Remake series. We'll be covering Scarface from 1932 and Scarface from 1983. And of course, our M&M Madness and Monsters will be covering M from the first Lang's film um, from 1931 and Badlands from 1973. And of course, our next book to screen will be To Kill a Mockingbird by Harvey by Harper Lee and the film starring Gregory Peck. 
And don't forget, we also be continuing on with Keys of Marinus, which will be our Doctor Who storyline that'll be on taping in the next two weeks. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vicky. Night, everybody. Take care. Good night, Matthew. Good night, oh Gotham City and Arkham <laughs> Asylum. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, Sean. Good night, everybody. And we see you next week for Scarface from 1932 and Scarface from 1983. See you later. I want to be rich and I want lots of money. I don't care about clever. I don't care about funny. I want loads of clothes and fuck loads of diamonds. I heard people die while they're trying to find them. And I'll take my clothes off and it will be shameless because